All right. That might have been better than what you're going to hear. <laughs> so, I think I got it now. Oh, hello. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Amen. It is an absolutely high honor to be here with all of you today, not just to preach at an installation of a faithful pastor, but also one that I consider a dear friend. First time I ever met Jared was soon after he contacted me and asked me for some help and tips for how to develop and engage in campus outreach at SIU in Edwardsville. You could say it was love at first text, or email, or Facebook Messenger, whatever it was. I knew I loved this guy then because he saw such a great need, and he wanted to help fill it. You could tell he instinctively knew everything necessary to do campus ministry. As I often say, there are really only two things that you need to do campus ministry. An intense love of the gospel and loving college students enough to do whatever it takes to bring it to them. Now, I often add a third, which is a fire pit, but that's more of a personal addition on my part. But suffice to say that ever since that first contact, I hope that Jared would end up doing campus ministry full-time someday. And I'm grateful to rejoice with all of you this afternoon that the Lord of the Church apparently agrees. It is even more of an honor because of my deep love for all of you, including the many students that aren't here. The students here, students to come, the students that have been. The ministry that has taken place through this church over the many, many years. My equal fondness for you, Justin. And my absolutely incredible gratitude for the Indiana District and its deep understanding of and commitment to why this ministry is so vitally important in this place and at all of the campuses within its charge. That's why it's so good to see a few of you that made your way up from that other school down south as well as Butler. Thank you all. Now, in addition to the words just proclaimed and the some 235 verses that you'll hear later, in addition to the words in the epistle, I want to bring forward some additional words of Paul to Timothy that you will soon hear as the red stoled army gathers around Jared, mostly because I wanted to make sure you hear these words twice. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The Apostle Paul, of course, had a special relationship with Timothy. And in our epistle, he reminded him of the high stakes that there are for those who would preach the gospel. 
You, Jared, are to be an example to the believers in this place and all of us in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. No small task. Continue to practice these things. Do not neglect the gift you have received. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, and don't stop. If you do, yes, Jesus will forgive you, but I will come and I will sit on you. I mean it. I will. So here we have the Apostle Paul. He's aging. He's looking back upon things in his second letter to Timothy. Realizing all that had taken place. Waiting for the Lord's appearance and what he figured was soon to happen to him. That he too, like his Savior, would be poured out like a drink offering. The time of his own exodus appeared near. The world would eventually be done with Paul, but Paul, in his words to Timothy, would continue. The word that he was ordained to preach as a young pastor would have free course, because of course it's not bound, and it never will be. It continues. It continues today. And it will speed on accomplishing the purpose for which God has sent it. Of course, pastors come and go. But that word of God continues to those who he sends yet to preach. That word is free. And that's why we're here. Here we are this afternoon because that word has brought us to faith in Jesus Christ. That word called together this congregation here in this place. And specifically here in West Lafayette, and most specifically here in the shadows of this fine university. As most of you all know, buildings will come and go. And you certainly have a beautiful one here. But today, we celebrate the fact that there is no church without the ministry. And there is no ministry without the church. You have all been blessed with a faithful pastor to serve here already. But tonight, today, we're here because the Lord in his infinite wisdom has seen fit to doubly bless you in this place. And to give you yet another man who stands in that long line of faithful men that goes back to Paul and Timothy, yes, to Jesus himself, to preach that word of Christ, which alone creates and sustain faith. It was rather tough for me to consider and pare down all the things I would have loved to have said to you today, Jared. Sure, this is a day of thanksgiving. It's a day of joy. Together with Morgan and your family, you have been through all sorts of things in your life. The route that's brought you here and all of the various turns and twists that always take place. I tell you, as a fact, that I know that you devote yourself to careful study and prayer, and still do. Of that I have no doubt. You have made sacrifices, and no doubt faced some disappointments along the way. The beautiful thing is that all of these things God weaves together in a tapestry 
that is the office of the holy ministry in which you stand, and has made you into the confessor of Christ that you are. But all of that, as memorable and important as it is, isn't the focus of why we are here at all. Because when it comes down to it, it really isn't about you. It's about Jesus and those he seeks to save and shepherd. This is Paul's point in his inspired reminder, if you will, to Timothy later on in his second letter. In fact, puts... Apostle puts in terms of a solemn charge. He gives this mandate to Timothy, if you will. And the language beautifully echoes the rite of ordination that you received, and in a few minutes, you will reaffirm. As you give a public and joyful testimony to your allegiance to God's word and the Lutheran confessions as well as the responsibilities that you bear into the place that you have now been put by our Lord. You will soon be joining your brother in Christ, Justin, and ministering the things of God in this place. And while these words have been repeated many times, and they take a little bit of a while to get through, they're much more important than anything I might have to say, because they are the words of our Lord, and they bear repeating. In a world where words are twisted and misused, we're reminded today that rights still matter, as do vows. Such a confession as you will make is made not only before men, but before the Lord of heaven and earth. You, brother, will soon pledge anew that your doctrine in life, your preaching and giving out of the sacraments, your teaching, your pastoral care, will conform to the divine word in the book of Concord. The rest of these men are here to say that they will keep you to that, as should all of you. These are powerful and weighty promises, my friend, sobering vows that frankly should cause you to tremble. Are you trembling? I'll give you time. You've got a few minutes. But your confidence, Jared. And I want you to remember this comes not from the strength of your resolve, as considerable as it may be, and I know it is, but from the Lord who is faithful and true, and whose word endures even when the heavens and earth pass away. So the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy of the Lord to whom he is accountable for his stewardship of the office and the words given Timothy to speak as Christ's man. And now, Jared, these words are given to you to preach that word here. God has seen fit to bring you to this place. To speak not of your own cleverness or out of his storehouse of your own insights, but by his word. You know, we've learned how to do all sorts of things with words, and we think we're quite clever. We can persuade. We are engaged in rhetoric. But dear brother, you are to preach nothing here but Christ and Christ crucified. And if you're not sure and you forget, there's a reminder right around the corner. It's a bummer to preach here because I want to look at the video screen too. But the artwork says it all. The pastor is to labor, dear brother, in season and out of season. 
Paul says with complete patience and teaching. Patience, I'm reminded constantly by my father-in-law, who is a farmer, who doesn't fret about rain, who doesn't fret about sitting around to watch things grow, and has always told me, didn't they teach you anything at seminary that the Lord would provide? Patience is the patience of a farmer. The farmer plants the seed, and then he waits, and he doesn't go rubbing around and grubbing around in it to see if it's growing. He goes and plants more seed. And so it is with the pastor. He plants the seed and he waits on the word to do its work. He germinates it. It grows, it produces, and it brings about the harvest that the Lord intends. Dear brother, you will not always see the fruit. But today I do have words of comfort for you. And that comfort comes directly from the Lord because he reminds you that his word actually works. That familiar parable of the sower and the seed. Keep it in your mind. When you're tempted to be frustrated or disappointed. And keep those beautiful words of the hymn that we just sang in your mind too. Preach you the word and plant at home and never faint. The harvest Lord who gave the sower seed to sow will watch and tend his planted word. You will need great patience as a campus pastor. Especially today. This is both the hardest time to be a campus pastor and perhaps the easy one. It's hard because the world doesn't want to hear what we have to say. It's easy because nearly every last person over there needs to hear it. University students are increasingly seen as the most unchurched segment of our population. There's a kind of pluralism that's taking place and it's becoming dominant. I don't need to tell anybody here about that. You probably wouldn't be here either in this church or to support this ministry if you didn't already know what I'm saying. The stakes are high. One religion is considered as good as another, although increasingly Christianity is being seen as inferior to others. Spirituality is at an all-time high among young people, which is ironic because that spirituality is not necessarily in the saving faith that comes from Jesus. There's a lot of learning that takes place across the street, dear brother. Except that which you are given to speak. Luther said, preach one thing. And then he posed for the artwork on the video board. What is that one thing? The wisdom of the cross. You preach Christ and Christ crucified and nothing else. Not you, not your brother in office. You preach Christ. You will probably endure many crosses here. The world and those at the university may not receive you as you wish. But the wisdom of the cross is what the students who come to this place need, and it's what the students who don't come to this place need too. Apostle wraps up his charge to Timothy, and by extension to all of us, brother pastors, including the man who will be installed here among you in just a few moments. 
with the call to do the work of an evangelist and to fulfill your ministry. Literally, it's to do the work of a preacher of the gospel because it is in the preaching of Jesus Christ, the one who justifies the ungodly by forgiving them their sins, that the ministry is fulfilled. Dear loved ones, in this end of the season of Easter and always, know this, that our ascended Lord did not leave us to fend for ourselves. As Luther also put it, Christ has left nothing to the world except the gospel itself. Jesus didn't leave us anything but himself in his words. Not to use our fancy rhetoric or our quick tongues, but to preach his word and to plan it home. God doesn't keep that good news a secret. And dear loved ones, this church and its very existence in this time and in this place is a testament to that fact. May it ever be so. And dear brother, may God bless you and your ministry in this place. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.